last Sunday. Anybody try and come to church? Yeah, a couple people. Good. Very good. Uh, All of us tried, right? But uh, the roads were too bad. Uh, Due to the fact that the roads were... uh, the, the sheriff had declared that there was no travel advised. We opted that it was best that we didn't have church, and so uh, we did that. And so for those of you that try to come, I apologize, and we'll try and get that out. If you do want your name on a message line here at the church, uh, you can also visit the information booth, and they can get you set up on that. Also, you can like our Facebook page on Facebook. That always helps. We always have the information up on that as well. So, so we're back at it again. Anybody miss church last week? You know, church is kind of like vitamins. You know when you don't take them. That's a good thing. You know, if we could go continuously without really coming together and gathering together and didn't notice a difference in our lives, that wouldn't be good. But you know what? God has asked and called us to come together learn more about him, come into his presence. And uh, I'm excited to be back with you guys. I missed church last Sunday. And so I'm very excited. Why don't you pray with me this morning as we're looking to God's word and we're gonna jump in to what he has for us this morning. Thank you, God. Lord, we do bow our hearts and our heads today in this moment, Father, asking that you would come, that you would speak through your word, that it would minister to our hearts today, God. And Father, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that you would use your word to do surgery in our hearts, that though it may be painful at times, we understand that it is for our good and that you are wanting to carve things out of our lives and maybe put new things into our lives. So, Father, we just surrender to your full control this morning. We ask, God, that you would use your word. Anoint my lips, Father, to speak the word that you would want. And we just ask, Lord Jesus, that you would use your word to touch our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before God can use a man greatly, he must wound him deeply. Oswald Chambers said. Before God can use a man greatly, he first must wound him deeply. Doesn't sound very exciting. I mean, none of us are sitting here going, oh, I'm next, God. Wound me. We're not lining up for that one. But you know what? This morning, guys, we're going to be starting a new series today. A new series as we're walking in, and the series title is entitled Seasons of Testing. Seasons of Testing. And there are portions of this, this series that we're going to love. There are portions that we're all going to be like, rah, rah. We'll start saying the amens, and those are allowed, so you can just go, yeah, hallelujah, that's good. And then, you know what, there might be other times in this series that we kind of swallow hard, and we go, oh, man. God, the seasons of testing. The season of testing, the portion that we're going to like about this season of testing is the fact that the entire series is built around the fact that God has a great plan for your life and he wants to see you fulfill the destiny that he has created you for. Isn't that good? You guys are half asleep this morning. <laughs> 
The whole premise behind this series is the fact that God has an incredible plan for your life and you were created for an incredible destiny that God has for you. Isn't that good? All right. Half of us are excited about the destiny, so the other half gets the bad news. All right. The bad news is, in order for you to fulfill the destiny that God has planned for your life, God wants to remove everything from your life that would get in the way of fulfilling that destiny. Some of that requires him stripping things out of our lives that we've held dearly to for so long. Some of the things that God pulls out of our lives are very painful, very difficult for us. And we say, God, I really don't know if I can handle this season of testing. You see, not a lot of people like the, the sound of that or the concept that God tests us. But really, it's more like God uses situations and circumstances to pull certain things out of our lives and other situations and circumstances to push things into our lives. That's more what the season of testing is. And everyone has gone through these situations that have shaped us in our lives. Every person that's here today, whether good or bad, we have been shaped through experience, haven't we? You ever been shaped through experience? You ever grabbed a mug out of the microwave that you've heated up too long? Once. Right? Shaped by experience. We go, oh, I don't want to do that again. And many times we do things or things happen in our lives that we are so shaped by experience that God uses those things sometimes to pull things out of our lives and then also to put things into our lives. And guys... Although we may look back at situations in our lives and we say, I hated the pain in that moment, we learned a valuable lesson that will guide us through the rest of our life. Many of us in this room, the things that, that guided you to this day to sit in this room right now were not comfortable, were not fun, were not painless, but God has brought you to this moment in time right now and we have learned through experience his faithfulness and his love for us. You see, if God is going to move us from our dreams to our destiny, he is going to take us through many tests in our life. If we can call it that, he'll take us through many tests. And what is the reason or what is the purpose of the tests that God has for our lives? It is to refine our character so that we will be ready to accomplish the things that he wants us to do, the destiny that he has. It is to refine our character, it is to humble us, and many times it's to reveal to us what's truly in our, in our heart. I'm super excited about our series this morning because it's one of my favorite characters in the entire Bible. He is one of the most incredible characters. His name is Joseph, and his story is told to us in Genesis chapter 37. So if you have your Bibles this morning, why don't you take it and turn there. It's actually starting in chapter 37 and goes all the way through the end of the book of Genesis. And Joseph walks through many seasons of testing. And through his life, we can get valuable insight 
into many of these tests. He passed these tests with flying colors and is a great example to us on how we as well can walk through the seasons of testing. Before I get too far, I want to give some credit to an author, Robert Morris. His book, entitled Dreams to Destiny, helped formulate many of the concepts that we're going to be talking about over the next five weeks. And many of the content, the th- content things, or much of it is from his uh, study, and he did a great job. So I encourage you to read the book or get the book uh, from Dreams to Destiny by Robert Morris. And so this morning, let's start in Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to begin reading the life of Joseph. It says, Jacob, starting at verse 3 in chapter 37 of Genesis, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe or in some of your translations, a coat of many colors. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word about him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Listen to this dream, he said. When we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around it and bowed down before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be king, our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again his, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream. The sun and moon and 11 stars bowed la- down low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is this, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow on the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. So this is the beginning of the story of Joseph. Joseph here, we see that he is favored by his father. He comes to the belief that he is actually better than his brothers. In fact, in the verses prior to what we read, the passage prior, we see that Joseph actually was kind of a tattletale. He would go and find things that his older brothers were doing. He would go back to his father and he would tell on them so that they would get in trouble. So Joseph was kind of uplifting himself as putting his older brothers down to make himself look good. But tattling wasn't the only thing that he did to make himself look good. He had this incredible coat of many colors that his father had given him. And he wore it day in and day out to remind his brothers Who was the chosen son? The Bible says that Joseph's brothers hated the coat because it stood for their father loving him the most. They couldn't say one nice thing about Joseph. They hated him. But their hatred grew even more when one morning around the the kitchen table as they sat there, Joseph said, listen guys, I had a dream last night. 
I had this incredible dream that we were cutting sheaves in the field and my sheave, as I bundled it up, it stood up. And all of your sheaves came and gathered around it and began to bow down to it. Uh Uh-oh. This doesn't go very well for Joseph. His brothers said, listen, never, ever would any of us bow a knee to you. Not in any way, shape, or form. Then Joseph has another dream, and his dream this time was interpreted by his father, saying, are you saying that the whole family will actually bow at your feet? And the brothers became even more jealous and hated him all the more. But his father pondered the dreams. Joseph had been given these dreams by God, right? These were prophetic dreams. They were given by God for a purpose. But what you have to realize is Joseph at this moment is 17 years old and is not afraid to remind his brothers of his status, of his coat, and of his dreams. We see that in verse 8, it wasn't just about the dreams. It was about the fact that he talked about the dreams continuously. They're out in the field, and he's within earshot of his older brothers, and he says, hey, cutting sheaves, I wonder if your sheaves going to bow down to mine. Hey, did you see the moon and the stars last night? And the Bible says that the reason why his brothers hated him was because he continuously talked about these dreams. He would rib them and tease them about these things. And you know what? I know that there are a lot of Bible scholars in the room, and and many of you would say, Pastor Sheldon, I disagree completely. And people that know the story of Joseph. But I have to understand that, that you have a different perspective of Joseph right now in your mind. You see, you are thinking of Joseph And you've read the entire story. You have a different perception. He's amazing. He's a superstar. He has Christian character to spare. But you have read the end of the story. That's the Joseph you are thinking in your mind. But the Joseph that we're reading about right here is not the refined Joseph that you know. He is the 17-year-old dreamer. The 17-year-old tattletale. The 17-year-old one that would rib his brothers to the point where they would grit their teeth and shake their fist at him and said, man, if dad wasn't around. That's the Joseph we're talking about today. The Joseph that would wake up in the morning and, and as he opened his eyes, he would look over in the corner where his colorful coat hung and he would smile And he would go and he would put it on. Not because he loved his coat, but he loved what it represented. You see, God understood that if Joseph was going to move from his dreams to his destiny, that he was going to have to pass a few tests that the tests would train him for the upcoming task that God had for him. The first test that Joseph runs into in his life is a terrible test. It's the test that none of us want to go in or be in. 
It's the pit test. The pit test. Joseph is told by his father to go and check on his brothers where they were out in the fields tending to the livestock. And let's read how this situation goes. If you read on in your Bibles in Genesis 37, verses 18 through 36, this is what happens. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him at a distance. How did they recognize Joseph at a distance? Ding. He wore the coat, made sure they were going to remember. Who's the favorite son? Joseph, Joseph. You know, this, at a distance they look and they say, oh, the dreamer. Here he comes. As he approached, they got a little drastic, says in verse 18. They made plans to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns. Then we can tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, one of the older brothers, he came to Joseph's rescue. He said, let's not kill him. He said, why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into an empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without us laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So Joseph arrived, and his brothers stripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. They grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. So Joseph is in the pit. He's sitting there for a little while, and the Bible doesn't tell us what's going on in his mind right now. We don't know what's happening in Joseph's heart. We don't know what's happening in Joseph's mind. But we do know this, that Joseph's easy life of being the favorite son just took an unexpected turn. Now as he sits in the pit, he listens as his brothers are scheming, how should we kill him? What should we do with him? How can we cover it up? In verse 25, let's read on. It says, Just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brothers? And then we have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to the Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were the Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. The traders took him to Egypt. Sometime later, Reuben returned. So Reuben is gone at this point. He's the one that's going to pull him out and take him back to his father and spare his life. Reuben is gone. And they pick him out of the pit and they sell him. And Reuben comes back and can you imagine he looks into the pit to see where's Joseph and he's gone. So Reuben says, when he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief and then he went back to his brothers and he said, the boy's gone, what will we do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. 
Then they sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? You hear those words? It doesn't, doesn't this belong to our brother? Doesn't this belong to your son? The father recognized it immediately. He said, yes, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Joseph tore his robe, Jacob tore his robe, <clears throat> or his clothes, and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. The pit test. Joseph lays at the bottom of the pit, wondering how this is going to play out. Let's just kill him, they said. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Have you ever been where Joseph was at? You ever been in a pit before? You ever been in a pit where your life maybe is going absolutely just fine, everything's going well, things are looking up, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something happens, and you find yourself in an overwhelming situation that you are not sure that you will get out of. How many have ever been in a situation like that? Most of us. One moment, everything's going fine. You're the chosen son. You got the cloak to prove it. It's perfect. Life's going great. Then all of a sudden, you get the news from the doctor. Or all of a sudden, something happens at your place of work. Or all of a sudden, a family member becomes ill. And you're thrown into a pit. What will you do? My favorite scripture verse about Joseph is not found in Genesis, but it's actually found in Psalm. Psalms 105, verse 19 says this. And remember this this morning, guys. Psalm 105, verse 19. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Until the time came to fulfill Joseph's dreams, what did the Lord do? He tested his character. Wow. Could God use the same tests that are found in Joseph's life to use the pit test in our own lives? Think about it. God had this great plan for Joseph's life, but he also knew that Joseph's pride would have to go in order for him to succeed in the destiny that God had for him. It had to go. That kind of young man that, that, that lived with that kind of character could not carry the destiny that God had for him. He would have to change The same thing happens in our lives. I believe that God uses situations in our lives and we have the choice whether to pass or fail the test so that God can use these things to prepare us for his plan and for his purposes. Many of you in this room today were just like Joseph. 
where we're going through life, minding our own business, and then something happened and you fell on yourself in a pit. Maybe this morning you would say, Pastor Sheldon, you come to realize that your marriage is in a pit. Maybe your financial situation this morning has picked you up and thrown you into a pit. Maybe through addiction you have drugged yourself or you have dug yourself into a deep pit. Maybe things that were completely out of control have trapped you in a pit. Maybe your health, your family situation, an accident. No matter what, each one of us will face the pit test on numerous occasions in our lives. So there are two options when you're laying face down in a pit. What do you do? The first thing we want to do is we want to get out, right? That's the first thing. But what I want you to understand is that getting out is not always the best option, as Joseph found out. Sometimes there's a greater test just down the road. But what do we do as we sit face down in the pit? There are two things. You have two options as you lay face down in the pit. The first option is this. You can grip tightly to your pride and complain Or you can humble yourself and cry out to God for help. Those are the two options. I know it sounds simple, way too simple. In fact, some of you are sitting here going, we wasted all this time to get to that? (laughs) Pastor Sheldon, couldn't you just open in prayer and just said, you know what, you can gripe and hold on to your pride and complain, or you can humble yourself and cry out for God to help. You see, guys, what you have to understand, and I know it sounds very simple, but this is the reality of the matter. This is the pit test. God needed Joseph to bury his pride at the bottom of that pit before he could continue with the next step of his destiny. God had to have Joseph leave something in that pit. before he could step into the next step of his destiny. So let's get super practical. When you come up against situations and you fall into a pit and you're having a tough time, what is your natural response? What do you do? Do you complain? That's pretty normal, right? When we're stuck in a pit in our marriage, we just need to find someone to complain about. Complain too. Maybe our financial situation. We like to complain. We like to complain about our health. We like to complain about our coworkers. We like to complain when things aren't going our way. We like to complain when it's uh, too hot or too cold or not sunny enough or it snows too much. Really good at complaining, aren't we? But complaining isn't going to get you out of the pit. Complaint is actually the sign that you are failing the pit test. Complaint is the sign that you're failing the pit test. You guys, you have to understand that that somehow when we're failing the pit test, we feel like we somehow have been slighted, that we deserve better. Listen, guys, complaint is like vomiting pride and never actually feeling better. That's what it is. 
You ever thrown up on yourself? Nobody wants to admit that. (laughs) Complaint. You know what? If you're taking notes this morning, write that down. Complaint is vomiting pride and never feeling better. That's what complaint is. Complaint is actually, what it's doing is it's revealing something about your heart on the inside. Because Jesus said that out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. Right? Out of the overflow, so that when we come into situations where they get really hot and really hard and and the refiner's fire is getting really heated up and all of the dross boils to the top, then our heart begins to really reveal through our mouth what's going on inside of us. And at that point, we can see that I'm failing the pit test. The pit test shows us our pride. Do you know what the easiest thing to do at the bottom of the pit is? Blame somebody else for throwing you in. Right? Find somebody else that we can actually blame for the fact. And there are so many people that go through life where they're looking for someone to pin something on. And the reality of it is, is the the problem is found inside of themselves. And listen, I'll be the first to admit that, that a lot of times I'm looking around going, who can I pin this on? Who can I get mad at? Who can I blame? And the reality of it is, is God would just like to shine a big mirror right in front and say, look at, hey, front and center, man. You see, guys, a lot of times in life we're sitting there, we want to blame others, we want to shift the problems onto someone else. And you know what? That's exactly what pride does. Is pride doesn't take ownership of the fact that maybe you played a part to get yourself where you're at. Ooh. Taking ownership of that. You see, pride wants you to play the victim. But God wants you to play the victor. So in this situation, we see the pit test. So how do you pass the pit test then? How do you get out of this pit quickly? Because that's all we want. We want to get out of the pit quickly. That's our we don't want, nobody wants to live in a pit. It's a terrible place to be. When you catch yourself in the pit complaining or wanting to complain, at that moment, take option two. And option two is this. Instead of complaining, humble yourself and cry out to God in that moment. Humble yourself and cry out to God. Simply lay it out, completely trusting in God, putting faith in God that he is your only hope, that there is no other way out of this situation. Cry out to him. Teach yourself in the tough situations to fall on your knees and ask God to step into your situation rather than pulling yourself up by your prideful bootstraps.
That's a little countercultural. Self-made man. I'm in the pit. I'll either figure out a way to get a ladder or I'll dig to China to get out. That's me. And God takes and strips Joseph of everything valuable to him, his most important possession. He strips it off of him and throws him in a pit. And in that moment, guys, something special happens to Joseph. You see, instead of humbling yourself, or instead of complaining, humble yourself and cry out to God. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So guys, the Bible doesn't tell us what went on between Joseph and God, but we do know this much. The guy that went into the pit was drastically different than the guy that came out. Joseph buried something at the bottom of that pit. It was his pride. He came out a broken slave and went in a spoiled son. So you know what? I don't know where you're at this morning. But I do know that each of us will face these kind of tests in our life. Each of us <clears throat> will come to the place in our lives where we will be on the edge of a pit. And you know what? Whether it's ourselves dropping in or someone giving us a little help, we're all going to end up in the pit at some point in our life. The pit test. But how do you respond to that? Maybe you're in a situation right now this morning and you're in the pit. Maybe you've had every opportunity in the world to complain, to be bitter, to be prideful. But God wants you to know that he has an incredible plan and destiny for your life. And you can't fulfill it in a pit. In fact, he says, I can't even use the guy that went into the pit. I need someone different to come out. And that is the pit test. I need someone that's willing to bury their pride deep in the sands of that pit and learn to trust him and learn to cry out to him and learn to surrender to him. This morning I asked our worship team to come Because I want us to just take a few minutes before the Lord. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but we do understand that every person that's breathing in this room, and hopefully that's everyone, has either been in the pit, or you'll probably end up in the pit. All of us, God uses these situations to refine our character. You remember, it says that until the time came for God to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. It's the refining process. And guys, I don't really understand 
all of the specifics about your pit that you're in right now. But I do know this, that the test that God brings us through is not because God hates us or that he's up there smiling going, oh, this is going to be great. God just knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Joseph that he saw teasing his brothers could not be the Joseph that would ultimately save the world. So he allowed him to go through these tests to get him to the place where he wanted to be, the man that he wanted to be. There are many people in this room that you're seasoned saints of God, where you have walked with God for many, many years, and I can see it in your character. You're so gracious. You're so loving to the next generation. Because many of you have been through pit after pit after pit, and God has honed your character in a special way. But maybe you're here this morning. You'd say, Pastor Sheldon, I'm in pit right now. And you just need to humble yourself before God. What we're going to do for just a few moments is I've asked the worship team, we're just going to sit where we're at right now, and they're going to play a song. And it's entitled, I Surrender. And maybe we'll just play the chorus and we'll just begin to worship the Lord. But if you are in a pit in this moment and you have watched as your mouth has showed you that you have been full of complaint, you've been full of all of this hardness, you know what? Some of you are complaining to God because of the situation that you're in. And God is revealing to your mind in this very moment that he is honing your character for the next step of your destiny. And the way that you get out of the pit by simply surrendering everything to God and burying your pride. You know what? I did not even realize this. We had this series set for many, many months on our preaching calendar here at the church. Season of testing or seasons of testing. But I don't know. Two weeks ago at the close of our service, many of you stood up and prayed a very dangerous prayer. Anyone remember what that prayer was? It was three words. God, I'm available. And the moment that you prayed that prayer, I'm sorry, but you entered your seasons of testing. Because when you're available to God, God has to refine your character in such a way so that he can use you. He needs to break us down to build us up into the person that he wants us to be until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. So this morning, this is an odd way to to close our service this morning, but what I want us to do is just spend a few moments in worship. And as we do that, would you surrender yourself this morning to the Holy Spirit. If God is speaking to your heart and you're in a pit this morning and you're going through the pit test, I would just say, you know what, now is the time. As you begin to worship and say, God, I surrender, you begin digging the sands of that deep pit and begin to bury all of those things, all of your pride, all of your self-reliance, all of your selfishness, and just turn those things over to God and say, God, I surrender.
need this morning. speaks to our heart this morning. So as we're beginning the right here is it says I'm giving you my heart and all that is within. I lay it all down for the sake of you my king. And this is the next line. I'm giving you my dreams. I'm laying down my rights. I'm giving up my pride. is in this room, Lord Jesus, whatever the situation, the circumstance that we find ourselves in today, Father, right now we come before you, Lord Jesus, not only saying that we're available, Lord Jesus, but we surrender our will, our selfishness, our pride, and all of the things, Lord Jesus, that would stand in the way of the destiny that you have created us for. So God, we relinquish control over these things. We relinquish, Lord Jesus, the right to be angry, to complain. We, we hand these things over to you, Lord. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, in those moments that, God, you would show us how trustworthy, how faithful, how loving and incredible you truly are, God. So, Lord, I just pray this morning that, God, you would encourage each of us, Lord, despite the situations that we may face each day, And God, we call out to you because you love us and you care about us and you have a great purpose and a plan for our lives. So God, we want our character to be in place. Father, we want, Lord Jesus, for you as you said of Joseph, that God, you wanted to fulfill his dreams, so you tested his character. So God, may we, in our seasons of testing, may you find us faithful available to all that you have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you guys this morning. Praise God. Thank you so much for coming. Just encourage you this week, whatever you situation you find yourself in, be faithful to God. Cry out to him. Lord bless you guys.